Podcast. I am your host, Vivi Nicole. Oh, we still ain't got the bill. Oh, there go the bill. How many bill, LV, please? Thank you. Because now I want to ring the bell every time for me. Yay! Um, today I want to start off. Um, well, this is going to be a little bit different episode. I'm actually bringing my job into what I love to do, right? Because my podcast is my passion. So today's episode is actually going to be about. Um, our upcoming election that we're having at my job. So if you've been following this episode or listening for a while, you already know that I work a full-time job. I actually work in a plant. Um, I work for Chrysler, one of the big three. Um, we build vehicles. We, build, we actually built Dodge Ram at our truck, I mean, at our plant. So that's my full-time job. So this episode is going to be about our upcoming election that we're having. Um, a lot of people always, especially here in Detroit, they always talk about how the plant is, is our own little world and we are like a world within a world. Well, what many people don't know is we are like a little world all the way to the point where we have like full-blown elections. So like now we have to do our elections every three years. So not only are we voting for like, you know, the president of the United States oftentimes during the, around, and, uh, during the same year, but we have to vote for the president of our local and um, all the way down, which can be very crazy. It can get very messy, very nasty. And it's just as serious as the presidential election of the United States of America. So it's like really, really big for us. So today I have joining me my favorite rep. Maybe I shouldn't say my favorite rep. <laughs> maybe, maybe I shouldn't say my favorite rep. So I just want to give a little background. Today I have Mark McElroy here with me. Let's ring the bell for Mark. They give him a big up. So I first met Mark when Mark came from um, McGraw-Glass from a different Chrysler plant to our plant. I was working on Midnight's and Mark was my union rep. And that was the first time I can honestly say that I received good union representation. And I had been at Chrysler for maybe eight or nine years by that time. And I, that was my first time ever getting good union representation. It was the first time that I had ever, whatever experience saying, well, I'm going to call my rep to supervisors and they would be nervous and scared. It was the first time somebody, a rep was actually very honest with me. When I would come on bullshit, Mark would be like, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Your ass going to get fat. Don't do that. So welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Val. I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's my first opportunity to get a uh, first opportunity to speak with someone on a podcast. So I'm looking forward to uh, answering whatever questions that you may have. Okay, good. So let's just give a little bit of background about like um, the UAW. So first of all, um, our local 140 is like the oldest established charter left. Yes, it is. Yes. So at first it was like local number two and local 140 and local number two is no longer around. So local 40 is the oldest charter union right now. Right? Yes, it is. Okay. So, what position are you actually running for? I am currently running for president of Local 140. Okay. And when is our election? The election is Wednesday, August the 12th, 2020. 
Is it the 12th or is it the 11th? The 12th. It's, it's the Wednesday. 12th. Okay. Yep. Is this uh, two weeks? Two weeks from now. Exactly. Okay. So now let me get to my questions that I had to ask. Because in my humble opinion, I think with all things um, being serious, I think the, deci- the, the decision to run for an office, especially an office like president of the um, local, that's something very serious. Do you want to give a little background in your history in politics in our UAW? Uh, yeah, I can give you a little bit of a... a like when when <laughs> a did resume. you start? Like when, how long I you actually working started, at I started working at Chrysler as a TPT. Right? Really? Originally back in 1996. Oh, wow. I was in high school. And... Uh, don't get it twisted i'm not that old i started young (laughs) okay look but what it is i started in 96 i was actually a 119 day Mm -hmm. employee uh and then i ended up getting rolled over to tpt usually the 119 day employee or employees that start uh prior to like a week or two prior to memorial day and Mm -hmm. they go through the end of September, I started which is a week a, or two after Labor Day. So they now they changed the name from 119-day uh, employee to SVR, which is Summer Vacation Replacement. So it, basically it's the same thing. But anyway, I started back then. Me too. I started uh, at 119-day year as well. Yeah. So, and so the LV at four. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I started doing it then. And then uh, I ran for office after my third year in the company in 1999. Mm-hmm. So in 1999, I uh, ran for chief steward. At McGraw Glass, and thankfully I was able to win uh, in 1999. In 2000, we actually had another election. I ran for committee man uh, at McGraw Glass at that time, and I won that election as well, and ended up becoming a plant shop chair, uh, which is the plant shop chairman of the the plant. So I did that there until, unfortunately, McGraw Glass closed, uh, like in late or early 2004. Okay, so you were the plant so, shop chair at McGraw Glass as well. Yes, I okay, was. I so know I was that. a committee man. I was a chief steward over there in '99. Uh, in 2000, I shouldn't say not. It was 1999 and 2003. We actually had election for uh, committee man, and I ran mm-hmm. for committee man. I won that position, and I ended up staying. Uh, ended up being elected as the uh, plant shop chair in 2003. At the same time as the committee man, uh, and then after that, I ended up going to Warren Truck. Uh, unfortunately, McGraw class closed uh, in, in 2004. Mm-hmm. All right. So I ended up coming over to Warren Truck in 2004, and that's when you and I met. I ended up, uh, I actually was on the line for maybe seven or eight months. We subsequently ended up having um, an election because they added a third shift over at mm-hmm. Warren Truck. I remember. Uh, and that's when I ended up going to Midnight Shift and running for Chief Steward over there at Warren Truck. Yay. And thankfully, again, I won there. Uh, ran from 2000. Four at Warren Truck until 2007, I ran for, uh, sorry, 2008, I ran for committee man. Mm-hmm. And that's when I ran for committee man in 2008. Uh, and since then, I was in office uh, until 2017. Unfortunately, I lost the last election by seven votes. Okay, uh, so let's presidents. stop right there, right? Because okay. first of all, you served our membership in, in body shop like as our committee man as like one of the best committee men be, one of the best committee men we have ever had thanks right like thanks. no that's just me speaking honestly and that's just me speaking speaking from the heart and speaking honestly I've been working at Warren Trucker to be 21 years so I've experienced many elections I've never been that emotionally invested until the last election when you lost by seven votes I cried <laughs> as a grown ass woman and I tell us people know. too I believe me I was fortunate 
to serve. Actually, like I said, I served from 1999 all the way up to 2017, 18 consecutive years I was in office. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in uh, like eight elections. And thankfully, out of the five out of the uh, eight elections, nobody ran against me. You so I'm comfortable saying yes. that I was I was comfortable knowing that I did my job. You and I was appreciative of it. But I'm not over... You know, I didn't think that just because you run run unopposed that you were the best person for the job. I feel that way personally, but a lot of things go in and factor into whether or not uh, someone runs against you too. So, But I think completely uh, the person that runs and runs unopposed obviously have the most to do with that person running unopposed. Now, obviously, there's other factors in there too, yeah. but you just don't take anything for granted. Uh, I didn't then. I tell people, too, that fortunately, and I know you and I have had a conversation. I've talked to a lot of people at mm -hmm. that time. Uh, and, again, it's not the end of the world. I never lost my job at Chrysler. You just yes, go back to the right. floor. And I was comfortable, comfortable going back to the floor. I didn't ask to get no gravy job. I went back and did the job that I did prior to winning that election. Okay. And I did that. Uh, which I did until... Okay, so let's talk about that because okay. now... Because the member, hopefully the membership is going to be listening to this episode. So is it, to my understanding, and maybe it's good coming from me because I'm not a union official. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe everybody's thinking this, right? So it's, it's my understanding that when you become a union official that you're, you have superseding seniority, which means that in the event that you do not win for the position that you're running for, your superseding seniority can take you and give you, put you like on the easiest job up ever. That's why a lot oftentimes we don't see reps anymore when they lose because they get like really gravy jobs or they'll get an appointed job. That's that's not true. That's not true. Okay, I mean, so the only reason exactly I say that, that well, is because it can be true, but it's nothing uh, contractual they said that says that that actually has to happen. Uh, and I think I'm an example of that. And then we've had other uh, reps that have lost elections and ultimately did not get gravy jobs. Only or one, Mel. Melvin, that's the only person that I ever known that ran for president and lost and was back on the line. And I, and well, I could never understand that. Like, so why and, didn't and you I set yourself up a gravy up. job before you it's left? Not, before now, you left it's office? not necessarily. And I know Melvin, obviously, too, is a good dude. Uh, yeah, I know. But, Shout out to Melvin because right, he's good. Melvin, he's a good, good guy. But what happens is uh, you the only entitlement that you have is that you entitled to report or go back to the job you held prior to winning the election. Mm -hmm. So the last job I actually had was over in a, was, uh, it was actually in an ND building. Right, which was way over long in the, time right, ago, right. Exactly, mm -hmm. and over for mm -hmm. the, uh, we had the uh, uh, Dakotas. Mm -hmm. But those jobs ended up moving into the 401 building, and that's the reason why I was able to come back to that job over in the 401 building. Right. Which I did, and I held that job until we ended up losing the third shift, uh, and then subsequently they had to lay, um, cut several jobs so I ended right. up becoming a floater but I didn't mind doing it because I've never been afraid to work and to be honest with you it gave me something to uh, it allowed me the opportunity to concentrate on me because again like I said from 99 to 2017 for 18 consecutive years I was in office so it allowed me the opportunity to only have to worry about me my family, yeah, uh, as opposed to Did everybody really? else, but no, because they still was on. Because I'm saying, like Mark, you <laughs> kept a line on your job of people on your job with questions, needing help. Your phone stay ring. I know I've called but, you to ask you for right. help, but like, I, I can appreciate that because it, it it reinforces. Or reinforced uh, the fact that I felt I did my job and that people still felt that I did a worthy job. And, you know, they respected the fact that they could still come to me. And I, I, I was happy and appreciative of that. But I did get to spend more time with my family a lot more. I ended up having two grandkids that obviously I didn't have prior to. Yeah. So it allowed me that opportunity to spend a lot more time with them. Uh, 
it was crazy because when my fun when my son uh he was three years old when I first was wow. elected mm -hmm. and then when I left he was twenty one. Wow. So I I, I felt kind of guilty a lot of times, even though their mother, unfortunately she passed away, but their mother uh, helped raise mm -hmm. you know, helped raise them and did yeah. everything for uh, for me and I because did you what was I could always do. I was work. always at work. So yeah. yeah. So I that's why I didn't serve in really our trip. membership. Right. I didn't yeah. I didn't trip off of it. It was cool. Uh, and again, like I tell every elected official, it's something that you ask for. Yeah. It's not something you're given. Uh, and because of that, you can't complain when you don't have yeah. as much time you to, to spend with something. your family, whatever. Yeah. Guess what? I mean, you asked for it. Nobody is giving you that job uh, without you asking for it. Okay, so, so I want to go I'm back cool a little bit because maybe there are some um, some new hirees, you know, people that haven't been working um, for the company that long. When you said that you started in 96 and you ran for the first time in 99, Correct. So, like, you had only been there, what, three years? Three years. And it's crazy because at my plant, anybody that was there, it's a it's a, a lot of people called it a country club. It wasn't. It was. But it was. No, that's why we couldn't stand y'all when y'all came. Well, hey, Put y'all ass on the hardest <laughs> job. Like, you I mean, it was, it's definitely plant. was a lot different there than what it was at an assembly plant. But mm -hmm. that's the case with any uh, plant. If yeah. Any assembly plant. That's the reason why you have... Uh, you know, it's a big difference. Yeah, it really a is a, big, a huge <laughs> difference. But I tell people, you know, fortunately, I was able to do something that I had a passion for. Now, when I first got there, I was just coming fresh out of the military, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I was in the Persian Gulf War. I was in the Persian Gulf. Uh, so I got out of the oh, military. So you Thank you. Let's ring yeah. the bell for that. Yes, ma'am. Serving our country. But, uh, yeah, it was a privilege and an honor, too. But hey. I, what ended up happening was I got there, and then we had a chief steward of mine who unfortunately passed away this past November. His name was Tony Hamlin. Uh he was, uh, we call him Big Tone, but he was the chief steward shortly after I got there. Mm -hmm. So after he got there, he he asked me to be his alternate. Him and I had a relationship. He asked me and my man, Sean Early, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Who is our current committee comedian. man right now? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Sean. But uh, at that time, uh, Tony decided to run for a committee man. And mm -hmm. when he decided to run for a committee man... I actually said I would run for Chief Stewart. So for, fortunately, both of us did win. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he ended up losing election after that. I ended up uh, succeeding him. Uh, Wait, you ran against him? I didn't run against him. No. <laughs> Wait, hold up. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he ran for He was the committee <laughs> man and lost to someone else. Uh, they lowered, they shrunk our plan. Oh, okay. right? So they had and this guy. It was him and this guy named Dennis Longhead. Okay. Uh, that ran. And then Dennis won. I ultimately ran against Dennis. And then you ran against Dennis, exactly. right. Okay. So, so now, anyways, the reason why I say that, and I get, I'm assuming your question is, it only takes three years. It was it was relatively quick when you think well, about no, it. Well, no, the question I was going to ask is for people that just started working um, at Chrysler and maybe want to get involved in politics, like what made you get involved so soon? Because oftentimes people may say, well, maybe I need to sit and wait. Like what may, what was, what, like what motivated you to get involved in a union so fast? Probably the same thing that every rep would tell you is that the person that was representing them at mm -hmm. that time, you felt you could do as good, if not a better job mm -hmm. than that person. Mm -hmm. So you decided like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do what I do. I feel comfortable doing it. It was tricky because at our at that time, that plant was overwhelmingly older uh, people that mm -hmm. had been there. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So it was relatively young and I was young. You know, I, you know, I just decided I was going to go ahead and do it. And I, fortunately, it worked and uh, I was able to campaign, do what I did. And unfortunately, won. But I use that as an example. I, you hear me and see me talking to a lot of younger mm -hmm. people. And I tell them all the time, you never know how good or great you're going to be or become unless you try. So I, I would sit back, look at what was going on, and then I made the decision to go ahead and do it. And uh, I know if I did it, I tell people all the time, if I did it, you can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't necessarily have to wait 
seven, eight, ten years. It's not something right. that you have to go through a, a specific process. Like a lot of times you hear people uh, say that they run it for the e-board. And a lot of times the reps, the current reps or past reps will say, well, listen, instead of running for a chief steward or committee man or president, VP or whatever, uh, they'll probably try to guide you down a path of running for a lesser position. And I don't really want to say lesser position because those are uh, yeah, important positions very important as well, positions. definitely, mm-hmm. especially the uh, uh, executive board. But the only problem I have with that is I, I tell people all the time, I never did, I never ran for executive board. I ran strictly for the uh, positions I felt I can do the most right. damage or can help the most people. Yeah. And I didn't let no one tell me to do something that I didn't want to do. Uh, and then yeah. I did what they asked me to do. I'm doing something that I felt I was that I could make the biggest difference. And it was, that was the reason that drill drove me uh, three years ago. And the same reason that's driving me now to run for president. Uh, I'm doing something, I'm running for something that I feel I can make the biggest difference. So to that point, I would like to, I, I say to people all the time, younger people, uh, you don't have to wait until a certain time. Well, it's not a certain path or strategy or process yeah. you need to go through to get to something. Uh, to yeah, get if to you feel like you will make a good president, do run it. for president. Do it. If you think you can, you never know. But again, like I tell people, you never know how good or great somebody will be or not unless so, that person is given an opportunity. So I wanted to make a just clear some things up for people that's listening who may not work for Chrysler. So even though we're here, I'm here interviewing you and you're running for president, but it's I counted 29 um, slots that people are running for, but it could be more, right? I, I feel like it's, it's way more. I think more. it's around there. It's, just, it's what we have. Every three years we have what they call a general election. General elections that every position at the local level is up for election. Right. Right. So you got multiple positions, yeah, so, including right. uh, executive board, you got right. trustees, you got presidents, vice presidents. Yeah. So for, uh, so for the people that's community. listening who may not work for Chrysler, like, no, you don't just have to start, you know, maybe run for the e-board, even though it's nothing wrong with running for the e-board or maybe taking that route. If that's what you want to do, you can run for whatever position that you feel as though you can do a better job at. Exactly. Right. That's the best advice I get to anybody. And I'm okay. not going to tell them to do something I didn't do myself. So I've never mm-hmm. told somebody. Uh, when they've come to me and say, hey, Mark, you think I'm you think I should run for a chief steward or a VP or committee man? I tell them all the time, listen, run for whatever you think you are capable of doing. Uh, but I'm not going to tell them to run for a, uh, an e-board position because in my personal opinion, again, it's my own, my own personal opinion. It's not every rep, but some reps may do that as a way to have a person you know, to to keep job security on their part, right? Because right? they so may if you a steward um, or committee man, right? They might say, uh, you know, giving I'm them not bad gonna, advice. Exactly. It may not necessarily or no, not be bad, bad advice, advice, but just advice that they wouldn't take themselves. Exactly. Because these that's same not reps I, probably I, didn't start off I on the board. I can tell you right now, it's not probably. I don't know of no rep that's currently in office as an elected official, a steward, committee man, or hire that actually ran for an e board position and worked their way up through to, the ranks. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But I, I tell people, I'm not going to guide you into doing something that I didn't do myself. Okay, so now let me ask this. What um what is actually the role of the president of the local? And the reason, hold on one second, because let me say, the reason why I'm asking this is because I think oftentimes that we have misplaced um, responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So I can be holding the president accountable for things or for, that's not even what he's supposed to be doing for me. 
that's not even his job, right? right. You have you ever heard that? Like, oh, I, I don't like this person. I don't like this rep because he didn't do this for me. And it's like, well, he's not even a, the person that's supposed to be providing you with that type of help. You need to go to a different person. You right. got misdirected anger. So could you please explain to us what exactly is the role of the president of the local? So the president, essentially, and you hear people, a lot of people will say that the president take care of the local, is responsible for the local and the local affairs. Now, obviously, that encompasses a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. uh, and that point is true. It does. The local, the president is not the end all be all. Like he doesn't, he or she doesn't have the final say so over everything that designation goes to the membership. And a lot of people get that confused as well because the highest authority of any local is the membership. It's not the president, it's not the shop chair, it's not the committee man. Oh, wow. Uh, steward or not. It's is the highest authority always has and always should be the membership, right? Okay. Now, with that being said, yeah, the, the, the president of the local is responsible for the local, running the local and its affairs. So obviously part of the local affairs is business that goes on in a plant and then obviously businesses or business that goes on at the local level, right, at the local. So that may include retirees. Uh, it may re include, um, you know, different businesses in the community that deal mm -hmm. with the company or deal with the local. But they usually take care of the local and the local affairs, which, again, it's, it's so many rules, so many, I mean, so many uh, different things that it encompasses. I think the quickest and easiest way would be to say that um, it's whatever – that comes along at the local level. Uh, the president mm -hmm. essentially is the person that in charge, to be honest with you. Okay, so you said that when you were um, you were plant shop chair at the McGraw Glass and at Warren Truck, how right. is the plant shop chair elected? Because I know the membership, we don't elect who our plant shop chair is. No, so, and it varies, because I think we even saw this, this past three years, something different that hadn't been the same for well over 25 years. Uh, but what happens is uh, when you voted this plant shop chair, usually you have a group, and that use that group is called the plant shop committee. Now that includes all the committee men from every department. If you have multiple departments, mm -hmm. uh, it also includes the vice president and the president. And usually, what will happen, and the case was similar at McGraw Glass as it was at Warren Truck, where they would get together and they would elect, they would actually vote on who they would like to see be the plant shop so chair. So the union, the elected union officials will vote amongst themselves on who Usually they the plant shop chair, the plant shop committee, I should say. Right. That's so, so right. for example, at Warren Truck, we got uh, departments. Uh, in each department, we have a committee man for each department. Mm -hmm. You have a committee man for the material, uh, indirect labor, which is the material and inspection, uh, skilled trades, one for body shop, one for paint shop, one for trim, and the other one for chassis, final, in 9190 mm -hmm. in the motor station, right? So you got those six committee men. Typically what'll happen is they may get input from sometime from the chief stewards that they represent, but typically yeah. that plant shop committee uh, encompasses uh, all six committee men, the vice president and the president. And they vote. Usually they will vote mm -hmm. on who they would like and to be the plant shop chair. was the plant shop chair for the whole time and you for, vote? Well, I was a plant prior to 2017. I had the the uh, pleasure and the benefit of being the plant shop chair for six consecutive years. In uh, each year, all of them, the, the shop committee nominated and elected me to be the plant shop chair unanimously. And I'm proud of that because it says, regardless to all the stuff that people talk about, it says that each one of them guys, my peers, mm -hmm. chose me to be the person that they want to be the plant shop yeah. chair. So I'm appreciative of that. And I, I'm proud of that because it's different than what happened recently 
where someone was appointed that position as opposed to being elected to that position. Okay. So, I mean, not that it make a difference, but it does because I think your peers, the one that puts you in that position. Mm-hmm. And I think you, it's, it's more, it's more gratifying if you know that the people who put you in this position to represent them were people did it voluntarily uh, and they did it because they felt you was the best person for that job. So I was appreciative of that. And it was similar at McGraw-Glass. They did the same thing. So Yeah. But we only had two committee men, so it was one or the other. <laughs> but then the chief stewards. Because the plan but, was way but, smaller. Yeah, it was a lot smaller. But the chief stewards ultimately yeah. uh, had an input in saying that as well, too. So I was happy and appreciative that I had opportunities at both plants. So I, so I, one of my questions was, because we was actually supposed to have another guest here, but he wasn't able to make it. One of my questions were, how prepared are you for the position you're running for? So obviously you're very prepare because you've been a rep for all of this time did you go to like any other union classes because I know sometimes people always want to well you haven't been to school for any other union stuff and I want to say this I want to go on record and say this I have seen people go to school go take every union class and be horrible reps and I've seen people (laughs) not take no union classes and be great reps so I don't think that schooling could hurt you but I don't think that that should be like the end all be all whether I wouldn't base my opinion whether I vote for someone based on how much schooling they've had right I, obviously, I have had schooling. I've gone to Wayne State um, labor studies classes multiple times. Obviously, been up to Black Lake, went up there for years uh, and did a lot of that stuff. But I agree with you. It's not a prerequisite that a person should have to have in order to be a rep, right? Because mm-hmm. just because you had that training doesn't mean that you comprehended everything that they taught in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it may or may not apply at the position that you are trying to run for. Right. So but does it help? Definitely help. In fact, I again, I said it's not a prerequisite, but I definitely feel once elected, it should be um, some you should always get training. There's nothing wrong with trying to learn more than what you already know. And some some positions uh, out in the world, a lot of them require you to continuously go to school and learn like doctors, lawyers, even police. You know, they have to go through certain mm-hmm. training and get updates to different laws and stuff that may have passed. I don't think we should be any different than that. I think that once you elected as a rep, you should be required to have minimal training mm-hmm. uh, in certain areas that your job encompasses. Right. So I think if you do that, it can only help you. It's not like you it can hurt there. you. Right. It's right. Not. But it, again, I agree with you. It shouldn't be something that you shouldn't necessarily base your decision off of that, because like you said, mm-hmm. it's people that have gone up. You know, twenty different classes and yeah, getting horrible. office in this life. Well, because life. you, like, yeah. I think I don't know. For me, when you started representing me, one thing it seemed like that you had built good relationships with people, and that let me know, like, uh, sometimes you do want to see your rep, you know, kind of go crazy on the management, and they do all that hoopling and hollering, which I know for a fact that some of that should be fake. I already, I know people reps at other plants. Like, they, that should be set up. Like, okay, I'm going to cuss you out while they in here. And then when you leave, when they leave, it's going to go back to normal. So I think it's all about, like, what type of relationships can you build with people? That's the most important thing. I think, Val, I, I tell you, I, I, I take pride in the fact that most, and I think, like I said, I, I was a rep for a while. But I took pride in the fact that I did pretty much the same thing at every place that I've been as far as walking around and talking to people. When I went on the floor, I think you, mm-hmm. alone anybody I've ever worked with, they'll tell you that I went to each person every time I came down there. I didn't just go to one person. Yeah. And I tried to build a relationship with everybody, and I'm comfortable saying that I have a personal relationship for everybody, in particular the ones in Body Shop because I spent so much time there. Yeah. And when I couldn't spend as much time with Body Shop because I became the plant shop chair and yeah. had the entire plant, I still tried to get over there, yeah. meet some of the 
the new people because we continuously do it. I think you're right. And the same thing apply to people else. Like, I would try to go down the line and talk to people in other departments as well. And, and but have, build it's, a good relationship with management. Like, build, you, need to build good, you need to have good relationships with management, like most, good relationship with labor, like, with, like in the like world. Most, yeah. yeah. But like most things in, in life, it's all about relationships. Yes. And I tell that to the reps. A lot of the reps will tell you. I tell that to them all the time. Build a relationship with uh, management. Believe me, you can't gain respect. By being disrespectful. Hello. I'm going to tell you that now. You can't gain respect by being disrespectful. So I think, and for one, all that rah-rah talking, I've been guilty of it too over the years. Oh, because I was about to say that. Because wait, because I can remember a time on midnight when I told my supervisor, I I called you, and he went, Jeff, shout out to Jeff. Jeff was like, was he cussing? I'm like, you know he was cussing. You know he on his way down here right now. So, But but you grow and you learn, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I learned that too. And again, to get to the point, though, as you grow, the more you mature, you realize that yeah. again. Like I said, you can't you can't cuss a person out and dog them out and call them kind of name, any kind of name yeah. that, you know you can think of, and then expect that person to ultimately help you. Not just then, but in the future, because yes, most people hold grudge. So I've learned that, and like yeah. I said, that's something that comes with age, or something that comes with experience. Uh, but I don't think that's definitely something you have to do. Until your point, yeah, a lot of times that do that does happen where. You know. Okay, so do you think? Let <laughs> me ask make you. Make it seem like something more there than <laughs> right. Like yeah. I got to put on. For, let me put on the right. show because some people that's the only thing they can respond to. Why I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Do you think that it's possible for um, to win the president without having the backing of the other reps in the plan? Uh, of course. I mm-hmm. think we can look at the current president right now. He had very little support for the incumbents that was in office at that time mm-hmm. initially. Initially. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, subsequently a few of them changed their mind or whatever. But yeah, ultimately, and I think like once I people said, get elected, we kind of move past it. And you might right. Now, after, just, after, after, yeah. I'm talking, after election, I think everybody should show support. And I think I did the right thing mm-hmm. by writing a letter of endorsement to uh, the current president. Mm-hmm. And not just him, but... Everybody else uh, saying, you know, although that I did not win, I think we all need to come together because yeah. at the end of the day, uh, Val, once you get, uh, once those people in there, whether you voted for them or not, they're still obligated to represent you, uh, whether you voted for them or not. And mm-hmm. I think that it's better, obviously, for us to work together than opposed to uh, running against each other or being mad and holding grudge and stuff. That's that's played out. And again, ultimately, I don't think we should have an enemy, but if we got an enemy, the enemy should be. Management. management and not <laughs> right. amongst our brothers <laughs> exactly. and sisters. Exactly. So I what's the point of arguing? And, eh, it's played out, man. That's old and that's, that's childish. I agree. So, like, not, okay, so because I don't know. You've always ran on a pose for the most part, like, instead it, at Warren Truck. So I was going to, I wanted to kind of touch on, like, running a clean campaign because we have seen some hmm. dirty campaigns. Oh, man. Yeah. we These it politics <laughs> in the UAW, it is very, very real, and it can get very, very dirty. But yeah. I can say I have never seen anyone win that went in running a dirty campaign. Most of the people that win are always the ones like, look, I'm just telling you what I can do. I don't know what the other guy over there doing. I'm just telling you what I can do. And I think that's the best thing. The people that run a dirty campaign are usually people that's fearful. And, you know, when a person gets mm-hmm. desperate, they do desperate things. Mm-hmm. So they'll do something. Unfortunately, that happened to me uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, at the end of the day, uh, I think you should be able to run and win off your own merits. I think mm-hmm. that's what helps you out. I think that's what shows uh, class integrity. Uh, and it shows that you're an adult. Yes. I mean, you don't have to be a gracious loser, but you definitely can be respectful. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to do no matter what. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because we are in this together, no matter what. Like I said, I think, uh, and that's one of the things I think we need to do 
uh, as a local, as a union, period, is to hold the people accountable, not just necessarily individually, because the whole word, uh, the whole meaning behind, uh, behind um, a union is the word unite, to come yes. together, mm-hmm. right? So obviously if you unite it, you a lot more stronger. It's a lot more uh, strength in numbers, like they say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best thing to do. But I've, I've never had to argue or do nothing dirty because I was always confident. Uh, and I'm still feel that way now. Not overconfident, but I'm no, confident. No, but com- definitely confident with, right, in your ability confident to do the job. Of what I've done. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm proud of, no matter whether you like me or not, you can't take away what I've done for 18 consecutive years, 18 yes. years that I did what I did. Uh, and I'm proud of that. And mm-hmm. I think anybody is no different than you. Like you said, you got 21 years, no matter what anybody yeah. said, do it like you right. or not. Hey, they can't take away them 21 years. That they you sure put. can't. No matter they how can't. many times I was in that attendance exactly. program. Exactly. No, it was I'm a lot of times she was in there. But no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think ultimately, like I said, I think we just need to do a better job. And I think, and this one thing I, I do want to say too, about putting, uh, falsehoods, lies, dirty politics, and stuff like that on the table. Understand the company has uh, people at every plant that usually keep, because before social media became so so mm-hmm. powerful and prevalent, uh, usually everything was done by word of mouth or either pieces of paper. Oh, whatever. Lord. Listen, I still have got, literature. Right. And, and believe me, the company does as well. And then I've never understood the reason why um, people do that when – it does more harm than good because if you put the worst of what people are mm-hmm. out, uh, I think that unfortunately makes the union in, the, in its entirety as a whole weak. look bad, yeah. look weak. Mm-hmm. Because one of them going to win, yes. and both for you know and we already aired both of our dirty laundry. Exactly, so. and then not only that, I think the company uses that, and it's just my personal opinion, and I've seen where it's been documented, evidence, and proof. Uh, and one of the reasons where down south, a lot of time it's harder to organize whatever. The company uses a lot of that literature or whatever and take it down to plants oh, wow. and companies that they try to organize. And when they go to organize those companies, they'll use that literature and say, listen, look, this is what's happening up north or this is where it happened. Wow, where they've where they already have unions. At. Exactly. Is this what y'all want to be a part of? Exactly. So I didn't I, know I, that. Yeah, that's, that's real. And again, all you got to do is talk to any kind of organizer. Uh, and they'll tell you that's one of the biggest problems that we have uh, is doing that. People and we do that to ourselves. All the time. All the time. Wow. And that... you wonder why it's so hard to do certain things because yeah. they already make things yeah. easy, easy for them down there or to keep the local union or yeah. any kind of union from coming down there because they pay them comparable wages, uh, benefits and stuff like that. Mm. But. Yeah, it's a way, and I never understood the reason why people do that. I don't think they look at things uh, the long term. They just yeah, look at the it long, as a the short blast or whatever. But I think, unfortunately, that's something that shouldn't happen. So with this, okay, so like with this upcoming election at Warren Truck, like it's a few different things that's going on. For one, this is our first election where social media is so prevalent. Right. Like three years ago, social media, it was not the way it is today. Right. Yeah. Like every uh, most of our information we get now, even like official information has been through social media. And this is the first time that we're having an election where we're not actually in the plant. Right. So we're our plant is actually shut down for a major retooling and we won't be back up and running to probably like September, October. So we're actually having our major election in the middle of a retooling where we're the membership is not actually in the plant. Because a lot of times, oftentimes, people will go out and vote on their lunch break. They either vote before work, lunch break, or after work. Right. Right? So, like, how do you feel about that? Let's talk about the social media. Because I think social media has given everybody a platform. Everybody is behind their keyboard on their phone, phone saying all type of shit. Reckless shit, however, whatever, with not being held accountable. Like, you could just put anything out there. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, and I tell this to people all the time, too, I think the, the internet 
is probably the greatest invention of our lifetime, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I th- it's, that's, it can be good, but it can also be bad because as great as it is, it's by far the most unregulated medium in the world. Yes. Meaning anybody could be whatever they want, say whatever they want with yes. very little retribution or retaliation uh, or or obligation to whatever it is they said or, or you know, whatever. But I definitely feel like uh, it can be used in a good way. Unfortunately, it can be used equally in a bad way. But my personal opinion, I, I can appreciate social media. I definitely feel like we need to f- find a way to um, regulate it some kind of way. Um, Do you but, think, wait, so let me ask you this question. Do you think because you have ran and you've been involved in the um, union for so long, do you think it was an adjustment for you to use social media as a good platform to run on? Because that could be a hard adjustment. You're used to putting out paper literature and not so much as doing everything on social media, Facebook, and you know, Instagram, right, Twitter. Right, because I'd rather do things face-to-face as opposed to doing right, something. We, I, so I we, we done with that. We done with yeah, that face-to-face. I think that's the unfortunate part about it because you can be fake on you Facebook. You can be fake. You, you can, can be, be very uh, fake. Again, you can't be authentic, uh, authentic by being somebody or something over the phone. Like the keyboard used to be like the studio gangsters and all right, that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, Twitter fingers, the, right? So was that a hard adjustment for you to yeah, be able to adjust the kind it, of... It, it was an adjustment because I was so used to doing things deliberately detailed and, yeah. you know, talking to person face-to-face as opposed mm-hmm. to doing something over the, uh, you know, over the internet. I get why. I'm Not that I'm afraid or, or no. computer illiterate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I use the computer every day, uh, right. like most of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think that it's a certain authenticity uh, if you can do things face-to-face like it used to be. Like, I would love to have debates with some of the people. I think that's a great idea. Uh, I threw it out there. Willing I think that would it. be a great Unfortunately, idea. Unfortunately, I've gotten very little feedback on because it. Because, like, it's like that. our election, is it mirrors the, you know, presidential election anyway. Like, they have debates. So, like, I think that would be a really yeah, good idea. I think that's definitely something. But it was an adjustment. It's not something that I haven't been able to do. I just haven't. Uh, I just really don't see the genuineness of mm-hmm. it a lot of time. And a lot of time, what you and I both know, is extremely messy. Uh, and yeah. then I think that's a wrong, uh, I think that's a hard way to get accurate information out mm-hmm. to the membership. And that's one of the things that I talked about in a couple of the letters I did distribute about uh, having having to minimize or limit some of those things, like having a podcast mm-hmm. uh, specifically for the membership and then obviously having one local uh, official local website where it would be for informational purposes only mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, you going on there being able to ask questions or blog. And a po- it won't be none of that. It'll right. be strictly for updated, accurate uh, information uh, that you can get to the membership because I think that's what we're lacking. And I think we're starting to see that now at a couple of other locals, uh, in particular Local 1700, uh, that they are trying to curb that that possibility of wrong information getting out. Yeah, over social media. T- exactly. Because so that was my next question. Like, what would be ways that you would be, um, you know, if and when elected, like, what would be some of the ways that you would want to, you know, get information out to the membership? That, like I said, that's podcast, one of the most... Podcast, website, uh, pod, I think those are Podcast really good. and website, because it kind of goes with the social media and I uh, think, platform. Uh, but I think but we still have our official newsletter. I like the, I like having a newsletter It comes well. and goes. I I'm think old that's school. something, right, right. Like <laughs> I said, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people in the plant that do not have social media, and a lot of them that mm-hmm. do, but may not subscribe to the one that a lot of people... I'm, I'm not on the lo- um, local 140 page yeah. only because it was a little bit too messy for me. Like I'm, I just, 
just it was it was a little yeah, bit it overwhelming. started out that's not the, the the locals official website unfortunately we don't have one we had one and then once the guy ultimately left he decided to take uh that information and stuff <laughs> he with took him. the website with him <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> but, but i definitely feel like that's one of the things that we should have and i get why people go on facebook to try to find information to me it's more entertainment uh, and I think that's the difference between running a business and a company. You do things for entertainment if you're in an entertainment business, but if you're doing things about business, uh, then you need to be able to separate the two. Yeah, you definitely. And I need definitely to be able to feel like having a, a website where it's gonna it'll be for informational purposes only, meaning that it'll have the most updated and accurate information on the times, the company schedule, the plan mm-hmm. schedule. Uh, different things that that may be coming up, holidays, uh, questions you can have. I mean, you could do both similar, like I told you, uh, having a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, similar to what you may have right now, and do that. And uh, one of the things I talked about doing is like we usually have uh, the first uh, every second Sunday of the month we have our union meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll usually have a truck plant meeting in between. Mm-hmm. Now, normally that truck plant meeting is not really heavily attended, just like unfortunately. Most of the union meetings, meetings are not been, atten- yeah. right. I mean, they are really scarce, and it's unfortunate. We may have a plant like right now. I think our attendance is right around twenty three hundred people, uh, and you may have less than a hundred hundred people show up wow. to a union meeting, and that's even more deceptive because the chief steward, the committee man, and every elected official, along with appointed positions are obligated to come to the union meeting. Right, so, that so that's may like be 50 35, spots. 40, right. 50 mm-hmm. spots. And then we do have one of the largest uh, contingencies of retirees uh, mm-hmm. in the local, I mean, uh, in the UAW. So you get a lot of them too. So you may actually only have 40, 50 people from the plant out of a population of 2,300 people that actually attend most union meetings, which is crazy. But again, that's one of the things I talked about as well is I understand why, especially now as a rep for 18 years, I was obligated to go yeah. uh, to those meetings. So I had to go. So the first time that I uh, didn't have that opportunity or <laughs> you, I was the go? mandate to go, uh, uh, the mandate, I didn't go to every one. And I had a young lady ask me about that. And I appreciate Like, so why her. you ain't coming to the union meetings no more? You're like, because exactly. I ain't got and, to. But I could appreciate the fact that she brought that. And it was a couple of people that brought that up to me. And I told them the reason why. One, like I said, for the first time in a long time I didn't have to go I can't have my Sunday so, at noon right. so, to do what I want to do and I'm not a big it. church guy I ain't gonna front right. like I, I don't uh, you, you could have lied and said I'll be at church now nah I don't lie <laughs> <my> God. <laughs> listen but, uh, but uh, that's one thing I Some, said so that, somebody else would probably did that for sure but listen <laughs> but what I did say is that um, no I knew I needed a break Right, mm-hmm. so I did take a little bit of a break, and then again, I, fortunately, and thank God, I, I have two grandkids now that I didn't have before, mm-hmm. so I get a lot more time spent with them. And then, just being honest, some days you wake up, you work Monday through Saturday or whatever, you want that one day off Sunday. So I decided not to go. Uh, that doesn't make a difference to me. No, right. Uh, if a person go, did I attend every one? No, I didn't. Right. However, I attended enough, obviously, more in than my me. opinion. You definitely right. attended and more I than me. And I think, being honest, the majority of the plant, like I said, if you're looking at the numbers, we average probably less than 1% of our total population actually attending union meetings. Anyway, right. Which is sad, and it's something that we should work on, and again, that's uh, one of the things that I think we should be able to do, and I think the whole right to assembly is one of the best things that you can have. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I also think that it's way because you can go uh, Facebook live or any kind of way like that. Or we can have a podcast or we can do it on tape delay or whatever, but we can make the message that's being sent at each union meeting uh, available. 
to yeah. people and then well, give now, it to them and let them use it at their discretion. Well, but I think it's definitely important that you attend if you can. But if you can't, I can't blame you because it may be inclement weather. Could be the choice between you going to church or going to a union meeting. That right. union meeting going to lose every time and yeah. rightfully so. Yes. Uh, but you could just be tired. It's been times where you have work, uh, mandatory work or volunteer to work. So it's, other, it's a lot of reasons why a person can't go to a union meeting. But I don't think a person not going to a union meeting union meeting makes them any less union oriented than yeah, anybody no, that I goes or a person that well, goes every, see, every and Sunday, now we're moving week. forward with corona virus like will we ever be able to assemble that many people uh, together it's gonna be a while i definitely think that but that's even more reason Val, why i think we need to come to, up with other ways exactly we mm -hmm. can't just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean that it can't be done mm -hmm. and just because we haven't done it don't mean that we can't do it okay so now let me talk about this because again this could be misdirected um Blame, right? Mm -hmm. So you're running for president. What do you think about the current state of the TPTs? Because this is a very, very hot subject in, on plant floor all the time. It is so separated. First, it was separated between the um, senior employees and then the two-tier employees. Now, it seemed like the two-tier employees, they treat the TPTs worse. Like, <laughs> it was like they were waiting to have a younger sibling to just beat up on. Yeah, and, it's, it's unfortunate. And I think that's that's the... That's not just limited to Warren Truck Assembly Plant. I know. That's I'm going to tell you, that's something that's done mm -hmm. I, and no matter what. So I, I think it, so anything just, I say, so let me in just, my opinion. Okay, so ahead. wait, let me just say this. To give a little bit of background for people that's listening who may not work for Chrysler, right? So Chrysler is doing a tier system hiring. So now they have, and not only Chrysler, Chrysler, Ford, GM, a lot of the major, um, you know, auto plants, right. they are hiring people as temporary workers but working them full time. And they have, like, you know, not a lot of rights. They can't miss any days. The, their attendance policy is way different from ours. Um, I don't think they have health insurance or if they do have. They do, but they, they don't do. have the choices that you and I have. Okay, or, so or their, health, their health insurance is a little bit different. But they do hire these people as part-time workers and literally work them 50 to 60 hours a week. A lot of times they do. And unfortunately, like I said, a lot of this started basically. Oh, and they, they, and, oh I'm sorry. And they don't have any seniority. So they're going to be put yeah, on whatever job yeah, that. Wouldn't like it ain't even like I'm working on my senior. You know, when we started like low senior. You like, mm -hmm. come on, I'm, I'm five years in. <laughs> Let me right. work my way up. It's like no, they're just working with no seniority. Exactly, but yeah, it, unfortunately, it started right back like probably like an old seven. Uh, generally, tier two or in progression workers. They keep changing the name of it, but essentially, yeah. we all know what it is. Unfortunately. Uh, headed into our uh, the company going through bankruptcy in 07, 08. Mm -hmm. um, Everything was cool, but then once they went through that that process, uh, they was able. Remember, we were still in the, the contract from two thousand and uh, seven. Mm -hmm. We were actually still in the the, the already agreed upon two thousand seven contract when two thousand eight came in the housing collapse and it oh, affected we, everything, mm -hmm. and we ended up going through bankruptcy. But because they have what they call a, a act of God clause, they able to uh, the company or the union can go into an already established or already agreed upon um, contract and change it according to mm -hmm. what their needs are because of something that was outside of their ability mm -hmm. or something that was outside of their own doing. All right. So they was able to do that. And once they did that, as you know, the federal government gave us uh, loans. A bailout. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a bailout, us and uh, General Motors. Um, and as a result of that, the company – Biggest argument, both General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, uh, argument was legacy costs. Legacy costs are costs associated with retirees. Right? Mm -hmm. So anybody, you know, if you got a bunch of retirees, you putting a lot of money 
right. uh, into these retirees. So what happened is uh, not just that, they're also looking at the fact that it's going to cost, it costed more money to pay us what we were paying. And they knew if they continued to pay uh, higher wages with people that was coming in, because normally mm-hmm. it take three years. Yeah. Three to yes. uh, that was actually the most that they would do. Three, <laughs> three years yeah, to max out. Yeah, it took me three out. years to max out. So mm-hmm. they had to come up with a plan. And I get it, it wasn't something that the UAW and the International Union wanted to do. But when you don't have too much of a choice, you got to do what you got to do in order to live to fight a different day. So, so I you think, think that's what they, we did in our state of emergency? That's what we did because yeah, that's what they they ultimately did that vow. What they decided to do that, and then that's where everybody that was hired after that mm-hmm. two thousand eight um, or prior, I mean after two thousand eight was generally is generally considered tier two. Mm-hmm. So they had to do that in a way. I, I'm not happy about it, but I understood the reason why they did that's because it allowed them to pay workers less wages than you and I who are already making twenty eight dollars at that time. Um, an hour mm-hmm. uh, it allowed them to come in and be paid considerably less sometimes less than half of what the, what we were getting paid at that time so mm-hmm. they did it as a way to uh save the company and i right. mean sometimes when you hard up and you desperate and you don't have too many options you do what you got to do and subsequent contracts you hope to gain what you lost in that initial contract where you lost most of everything it was similar to like in 79 and 80 when uh the yeah. company uh was bailed out again yeah. by the federal government my father was uh, and working they did yeah and it was a yeah. similar situation and they did the same thing but subsequent contracts uh, they were able to recover most of what was lost during that time. And hopefully going forward, we will have that same opportunity. So as the president, are you involved in bargaining and negotiating the TPT when we when it's time to negotiate the contract? Are you involved? That in is that? an international because of what I was just telling you, too. That's international only because of the fact that it affects every plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, but not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those decisions are typically made at an international level. Now, uh, the pre- president at a local level, he can, he or she can get involved and submit information, paperwork, numbers to the air international reps as a way to help in, you know, mm-hmm. getting as many people as they can. Uh, but that's not the ultimate choice of the local president to determine uh, how many TPTs or whatever, including the plant manager. The plant manager doesn't have that luxury either. It's something mm-hmm. that happens uh, at the international and, and corporate, corporate levels, level. and then they'll base it because each plant has a budget that they mm-hmm. have to follow or, or restrict yeah. it in. Uh, so anytime you hire somebody, whether it be a TPT, uh, which is a temporary part-time employee, or even if it's a, a in-progression employee or, or a traditional employee, it's a budget that the company gives to each plant. Each plant is obligated to work under, under the restraints of that budget, right? So anytime yeah. they go outside of that, they got to get permission from both the corporation uh, and to a lesser degree, international would have international union would have some say so, but very little. So I always, um, when I'm having conversations with people on the floor, like either a two two tier or in progression employee or a TPT, and they are like so upset, right? Like with yeah. like the member, like with me, like well, you y'all voted for that shit, like you know y'all voted to have this, and I'm like you wasn't here, like this was before your time, right. like not to say you wasn't on that line when they had to, when we had to stop building trucks and they had to shut. I was in paint shop and they shut us down. <laughs> it was like we're officially in bankruptcy. We can't build no more trucks and everybody go home that fear that was set in us like it was a scary scary time so i remember that time just thinking like please let us get a new contract so we can just be able to have a job to go back to i think a lot of the um a lot of the younger employees they have a different mindset you know like this isn't the best job that they could have got you know what i'm saying like back in the day like you get a job at the plant you know you stay in there that's the best job that you're gonna get this is not that to them so they don't understand they don't understand it 
Yeah. So I, I think, think that's where a lot of the um a lot of the I'm not gonna say disconnect, but just a lot of the the separation Ace, comes. Animosity. Yeah. It can be. Obviously, if I had a choice and if I had the ability to hire as many employees as you can, I think that's the foremost and most uh the most principal um position that any union, I don't care if it's a Teamsters, teachers, UAW, right. whatever, your primary focus is to and your obligation should be to grow whatever union you have because obviously it's strength in numbers. And usually when your numbers grow is usually a sign of success. Yes. So the more successful you become, the more you realize that you need to add more constituents, more people, mm-hmm. and then obviously you get more strength in those numbers. That's one of the reasons why the UAW and now a lot of people complain uh, and then rightfully so. There's no right or wrong way. I think it's going to depend on each person because it's always subjective. Mm-hmm. So even if you and I, who are traditional employees, may feel a certain type of way, like you said, someone that's only got two or three years may feel completely different. Of course. It's not necessarily that you're wrong and they're right or no. I'm right or yeah. they're wrong. I think, unfortunately, the sad point is that we all work together. Yes. And it is a way to discriminate against a person simply because of their uh, uh, financial yeah, uh, position, right? Out of and their and control. I think, and it's unfortunate because we do the same work. Yes, right? and a lot of times, to be fair, they're like doing said, a harder job. Exactly, so they getting the <laughs> yeah. So it's like, the I'm, so I have to do the harder the job worst. and get paid less. And like, I how think is this a, right? Like, how is this? But fair? I think that's where the membership. I don't make agree the with mistake. that at all. Yeah, I don't either. I think that's one of the reasons why the membership make the mistake of being more upset with the messenger instead of the person. Yeah. That make those decisions, and they yeah. get upset and blame the union for it when you should be blaming the company yeah. because the company is the one that's doing everything that they're doing. Understand the union is there to try to help and yes. try to get certain things as yeah. done, but understand the company is the one that make those decisions. Yeah, it's still their company. Now, if we get a better understanding of that and realizing that instead of us being mad at each other, we should be mad at the, the ones that's doing this to yes. us. Uh, I think that makes us more powerful and more powerful, and then it allows us to get more things done. But as long as we had a separation, it's just another way of showing that we can, you know, the company yeah. can... They can splinter off s- people separate and divide. It, there you go. So, and I think this is like maybe getting a little bit off subject, but I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think that that whole like going through the bankruptcy and then allowing them to kind of do this tier hiring, like this is the direct result of like, look at Amazon. Amazon makes more money than God, basically. Okay. So, out and you too. pay your employees $15 an hour. Like that's, and that, no, it's no way Amazon shouldn't be a big three. There's no way people should not be able to go work for Amazon, make $20, $30 an hour with health benefits. And you you understand what I'm saying? It's hard I, I, as they I work those people. I agree, especially when, when Jeff Bezos is worth nearly $200 billion. $200 Because you after, imagine how Chrysler Ford and GM is right, looking at Amazon? After like, he gave his wife $40 billion in a, in a divorce. He's still, so could you imagine how Chrysler Ford and GM is looking at Amazon like, damn, like he getting over like yeah. a fat rat. Like think we, about it, and I tell this to people too, I think you're 100% right, but if you look at it, the UAW along with any other local union is a service department. Mm-hmm. They don't build, they don't manufacture, they yes. don't own nothing, yeah. essentially, mm-hmm. right? All they do is provide a service, and essentially that's what Amazon do. They got different parts, but that's pretty much what Amazon do, yeah. sell everybody else stuff. Yeah. And, right? yeah. So I get 100% what you're saying, but I think we lose, you know, we get lost in the sauce a lot of time is the fact that, uh, the UAW is more than, I mean, the UAW is anything more than a service department. We provide a service. The UAW presi- provides uh, a service. Yes. Right. And I think, like I said, that service is where our membership need to realize um, what 
needs to happen. And that's why I say, like I, I say a lot of times, too, that they need to be held accountable. All of our membership need to hold accountable to people that's in office mm-hmm. uh, that does things for them. But we also should be objective enough and subjective enough uh, to realize that most of our problems are not coming from other members of the union, but with management. Yes. Yes, because that's like you said, we shouldn't have an enemy. But if we were to, it would definitely you can't, be. You can't. I mean, I mean, it's the company's company. Shit, we know that's there. Right. We hey. can't do that. But we shouldn't. Yo, be union more. brother ain't giving you time off. For exactly. It. Nobody in the union can discipline, uh, hire, fire anybody. Yeah. They all go through management. I think a lot of time our anger uh, amongst each other is misdirected. It misdirected. I don't think again we should have. Uh, we shouldn't. Every every contract. Uh, is one of compromise, right? Every contract. You cannot tell um, newer hirees that. I, yeah. you, I yeah, said, listen, yeah. you're never going to have a contract that you love. Like, nah, you, every contract you just, Ooh, contract I love this contract. Compromise. Never. Guess what? Yeah, it's never going to be. It's always going to be as great as it was the last contract. That signing uh, bonus was nice. Yeah, it was on point. But guess <laughs> what? The problem is... It's more. It's a lot of people felt we should have gotten more. Uh, and yes. I'm one of them. Yeah, I me felt too. We should have gotten me more too. Because I'm always going to feel like am I, I happy accepted yeah. that? Yeah, no doubt. But do I think it should have been more? Of yeah, course, of course. Yes. But that's always going to be a case. But any contract is one of compromise. Whether you and your husband or whatever, you compromising. You make one. You, but, you in the contract. And I will say this, and I don't want to dive too much off and you know get into the contract or whatever because that would be a whole another podcast episode. But right. I do believe I would have taken a lesser signing bonus if we would have could have fought more for the. CPTs. I think we should have, uh, but unfortunately, that's done at an international level. Right. And again, I don't want to keep putting it off on the international versus local, but I just want to be able to distinguish it too because that's one of the problems that people have too is they assume that the president is able to make a lot of those decisions, and right. unfortunately, they're not, and rightfully so. I would want that to happen yeah. because I wouldn't want a single president being allowed to make a, uh, a decision that could potentially affect not just me and my family, but my neighbors yeah. or somebody in another state. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. no, I would rather have people put in place to do it right. the way that it should be done. But yeah, I just okay. So I want to um, end with a few a few more questions, right? So mm-hmm. my one of my final questions is: What do you think that um, you can bring to the membership as for running for uh, as running for president of Local One Forty? What do you think you can bring to the membership? Obviously, uh, experience, knowledge, information. Uh, I know I'm a dedicated person. I spent a whole bunch of time in that plant. Uh, a lot of times when I didn't have to, but I enjoyed doing it. I mm-hmm. still enjoy doing it. That's why I still help out people whenever they call, ask, or I see them. Uh, I think I got a dedication to it. Uh, I know I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make uh, the right thing happen whenever it can. I think I provide a vision to the membership. Like I said, I think if you look at some of the literature I had, Part of the reason, Val, that I put that information out there is because I wanted people to see it. Obviously, by me being on the line, I can't physically walk around and talk yeah. to everybody. I can't sit at the front door. I can't attend meetings and stuff like that because I don't. St- I can't. I work on the line yeah. like everybody else. That's 98% of the people in the plant. Right. Uh, but I did that uh, as a way to show them what my vision is. And like I said, we got to be forward thinking into our approach as far as what's going to happen with the local. It's things that I know I can do, mm-hmm. uh, some that hasn't been done, stuff that should have been done, but I know I can provide uh, information to people. I think I have a platform. I think I have, uh, or I don't think, I know I have what it takes to be the president of the local because I've proven it over the course of my career mm-hmm. uh, at a couple different plants. Uh, 
I know what I can bring to the table. And I try to put some of that information out for the membership to see, uh, because I think one of the things that uh, most people don't get a chance to see uh, is a lot of the reps. And I got respect for every one of the reps at my plant, any other plant, because I know how hard it is. The sorriest one that you may think of the sorriest, you know, mm-hmm. they give He's up still a lot. working hard. Believe yeah. me, that's a lot. Yeah. You, you got to respect those. Yeah. Uh, I tell that to people, whether you respect the person that occupy that position, at least expect that position because uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It goes mm-hmm. it goes into it. But I, I definitely feel like some may not give as much as they can or go back to what I was saying about being authentic or not. Because when you can hide behind uh, social media, then yeah. you could be something that you're not. And then when it comes to – because when you go into meetings and um, make decisions and stuff, you're not going on social media. No. You're dealing with face-to-face. And if you don't have the ability to be able to negotiate or benefit or talk to somebody – or build uh, relationships. Go back to building Again, relationships. And I'm going to tell you one of the things I don't have a problem with doing is answering and giving uncomfortable information or asking uncomfortable uh, questions. questions. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you look at life in general, most change, not all, but most change happen during times of conflict and uncomfortability. Yes, I can. Yes, I completely agree. Look through the annals of time. Basically, every where yeah. we benefit is usually something that was uncomfortable. You have to and, on the other side of it. Exactly. And yeah. you got to be able to do that. And that includes looking at some of the people that you want to vote for and voting for them simply because that's your boy, your girl, your friend, your cool with a buddy or whatever. Yeah. As opposed to really sitting back and saying, dude, this person really have what it takes in order to be uh, to make a difference. And I know I can make a difference because of what I've done in the past, but I can also make a difference because of the, some of the things that I mentioned I could do uh, in the letters that I put out. Uh, as far as yeah. making the local better. So I think I offer that where I don't see too many of the other uh, contestants or other people running uh, that's actually putting forward yeah, a, uh, a plan. A plan. Okay. A plan so I think I had that. Okay, so this is my last question. Is it every rep's end goal is to be go to international? I would imagine no. Is that your end goal? What's no, your end goal? I have it. If I wanted to, and I tell it to people because, again, that's a question, and I'm glad people ask me that. But that's never, never been – my intention, uh, and the reason why is, like I said, because I had opportunities in the past. It is openings that had come up, and I've never one time applied for any kind of international job, whether it be at the region, the uh, uh, international, or any other place. So I have no intentions on doing that. I'm comfortable if I'm comfortable saying that if elected, I would have no intention whatsoever going well, you know, no I, I don't sad care and I don't think if you want I don't think what I listen of course everybody will listen because you don't want to limit yourself but I yeah. have no intention and I don't think they're gonna I really don't care to be honest with you because if it did if it was if that was my end game or what I wanted to do believe me I would have applied multiple times by now <laughs> and I have yet to apply right? because I have none I have no intention of going there okay I think I would you like want to wrap this thing out with see? us at 140 you see okay That's my plan. but thank you so much we I went way over time but this was such a great um conversation Good. I'm actually going to put this episode out tomorrow so the membership can be able to listen to it and maybe this can help them make um make a decision on who they want to vote for in this upcoming election again when is the election it is Wednesday. August the 12th. So What's your ballot oh, number? My ballot is number two. So everybody go out and vote for Mark McElroy. Mark McElroy <laughs> for president. For number two. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy your day. Be safe, everybody. And I'll uh, see you guys soon. See you at the polls. Yeah. You're listening to One Girl, One Mike podcast. See you next week.